Welcome to the Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week it is my absolute honor to welcome on the show stand-up comedian, actor, writer, and the man behind the Winning with Humor program, Craig Shoemaker. Now, in this conversation, we discuss a host of topics, from Craig's early life, his journey into comedy, the impact of censorship not only on comedy, but for the rest of the population, his own powerful mental health story, some of the tools he used to heal his psychological and physiological ailments, the healing power of laughter, and so much more. Now, before we get to this incredible conversation, as I say every week, please just take a moment. Go to whichever app you listen to this on, subscribe to the show, leave feedback, and leave a rating. Every single five-star rating truly does elevate this podcast, therefore making it easier for others to find. And this is a free library of well over 800 episodes now. So all I ask in return is that you help share these incredible men and women's stories so I can get them to every single person on planet Earth who needs to hear them. So with that being said, I introduce to you Craig Shoemaker. Enjoy. Well, Craig, I want to start by saying thank you so much for reaching out and coming on the Behind the Shield podcast today. I love it. I love what you're doing. It's right up my alley and I'm ready to roll. <laughs> so I do a lot of podcasts where they have a, all these pre, pre-prepared questions and uh, it, they're, they're, they have an agenda. And we got to stick with it. And I can tell that's not what we're going to do. Today. It's a free flow, which is actually what I teach when I coach. It's called genuine energy flow. So let's flow. Beautiful. Gen- yeah. Well, I think a good icebreaker before we hit record, we just had a hurricane skim north of us. You were there at the uh, infamous hurricane that hit California. So let's revisit that. Talk to me about your experience with the California hurricane. The California hurricane is um, very symbolic for me because I've been off the news for years because the news has only has an agenda to sell. And you can just, I tell people all the time, I say, you don't need to watch the news. They say, how do you get your information? I said, it's only information they choose for you to see. It's information that's completely irrelevant to most people, but it's relevant to only the people they want to sell advertising to. And so they get you in a condition and then you can watch the commercials. They're for drug companies. So they get you scared and filled with anxiety. Then they have the drug that handles the anxiety that they just handed you. So that's the cycle that we're on. All you have to do is just step back, which a lot of people won't do. I would say, take a sacred pause for yourself. Spiritus is a Latin word for breath. Just take that breath and then have your inner source, your inner force, you know, the just like Star Wars, have that take over and it will inform you what to do. And that would be to not watch it because that's their formula. And why fall for that? Why be a follower to that? They're getting you into, they're conditioning you. It's really, it's literally called television programming. It's called that. They're telling you that right away that we're going to program you. So they did that with this hurricane. And I'm also a person that likes to turn things around. I have a thing called the turnaround. And I like to look at things in a, in a fun way, in a funny way and twist them and turn them. And 
uh, or let, learn something from the grow, transform. And in this case, uh, sure enough, I listened to them because we we're watching other shows, but even other shows, they would like cut in the storm of the century, 84 years in California, Hillary is coming and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, okay. And I bought in for a second. And I had my kids, where are the flashlights? <laughs> you know, I didn't do panic like that. Where are the flashlights? I found all of our flashlights and most didn't work. Uh, I found a transistor radio. I'm picturing myself, you know, <laughs> I, I got something. In. I didn't even know what channel to go to. There's, nobody has radio anymore. You know, because this is where you're going to get your information on the emergency. So that's kind of working. The other things, you know, and I got batteries and I stored water and I did hot yoga one time, right? With, a, with sweat pouring off of me. There was more water from that than there was this hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> it was the biggest nothing burger I've ever seen in my life. And I, and I made fun of it. Sure enough, I made fun of it. I made videos of I'm here at Stormwatch, California, 2023. As a, and I would go outside. It was like my hair wasn't even wet. <laughs> so it was... It was just what they do. That's what they do. That's the formula. And I've been on to this formula for years. I just won't watch either right wing, left wing. It doesn't matter. I love the centered space to be in. Much I've talked better. about this a lot. That's where all the normal people are. I mean, genuinely, that's where most of us are actually standing, looking left and right and going, what the yeah. fuck is going on right now? Yeah. And you know what? I'm finding there are more and more of us. There, If you kind of like come out of the closet, so to speak, and sort of like you you hint like you're in this direction you got to watch it though because somebody go you're a trumper you're you're a libtard they can't wait to give you one of those labels you're maga and i say well i might be questioning some things here it doesn't mean i'm i'm not all in on anyone i don't deify anyone why would you do that so if you are like a supporter of donald trump i don't mind that you are that that's who you vote for but when you become a supporter of someone you deify, like that's your answers. Those are all of your answers. And you literally give your life to campaigning and wearing hats and stuff. I don't wear a hat for anybody. I don't follow anyone. I or something that just what I wear, you know what I mean? It's, it's me. That's who I'm interested. I'm interested in this thing that we all possess this potential inside of us. Unleash it. Doesn't matter that I haven't been elected office or whatever it is, or a scientist. It's all there. Absolutely. Well, speaking of hurricanes, just as a, as a tangent, I interviewed a revered journalist, Larry Doyle, and he just to kind of put it out to kind of what kind of man this gentleman was. He was the first person who interviewed Nelson Mandela when he was released from Robben Island. That's a level wow. of trust, I think that, you know, we can understand what kind of man he was. And I asked so him about how do we get here? These, you know, CNN, Fox divided screens four assholes arguing with each other and then calling that news. And he was like, you know, the, the, it was very articulate in his description, but basically the news used to be um, a kind of side, uh, you know, not piece, what's the word, project from the other business model. So you had the businesses that made the umbrella company money, and then there was a news. And then there was restructuring, and then they were like, we need the news to make money. And so just to underline what you said, this is even from this level of journalism, yeah, you know, this this man's view from decades in this business. He was like, "This is what's happened," and yes, they are trying to get you scared because it's all about the advertising space, and that's so heartbreaking to hear that so many people are led down these journeys of fear and division and anger 
just so someone else can make money. Exactly right. They're they're master manipulators, and I always compare everything to the Wizard of Oz. Have you ever seen the Wizard of Oz? Oh yes, many times. Yeah, many times. Most of us have. That's why it's a great reference. It's it was brilliant. That movie was absolutely brilliant. It was all of our story. I, every single aspect was our story. You know, she's looking at the land far away, like we all do. Of somebody else has what I want. You know, there's my answer. It's somewhere else. You know, pity party for me because they took my dog and all that kind of stuff. And then you land in some sort of a rehab, and they say go follow these steps, and it's mind, body, spirit, scarecrow, Tim, man, lion. It's all of that. And it's about fear. And then they go to the walled city and it's like, oh, ha ha, and a couple of la-di-das, but don't go beyond the walls because we got fear out there for you, which is false evidence appearing real. That's what it is. And sure enough, it was false evidence because she melted away by her simply helping her friend, which we should all do. She naturally, genuinely, authentically put the water on her friend to you know, put out the fire and then it melted. What a world, what a world she melted. And I actually thought to myself, those winkies were going to kill her. And then when they said, you killed her, I went, oh, my God, they're going to kill Dorothy for what she did. And then they said, all hail Dorothy, because they were released. And that's what, if somebody's even listening now, they might say, hey, thanks, Craig, you released me. Or, or thanks, James. I mean, let's get released from this. And it turned out it was a guy behind the curtain. He was a fraud. He was a guy who was absolutely using fire and brimstone and fear tactics to scare you into complacency, compare, can scare you into getting in line. And it's just unbelievable how we buy it. What I teach when I coach is actually to deprogram yourself, recondition yourself from these conditions that they gave us. They put us in line and out of alignment. We were born love, light, and levity, happy people. And bam, well, the doctor slaps you right away. That's not a good start. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, what do they do? They say, here you go. We'll give you a good grade. We'll give you a pat on the back. Good job. And there you go. You're off. Do not ask questions. You could just go bring us back to broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the West. Don't ask questions. And yet it turns out it was all fraud. That guy was a fraud. And, you know, here's your ticking clock to say you have a heart. Of course you have a heart. If you have all these things, you possess all these things. That's what that was all about. You, you have had the answers all along. That's the symbolism of it. You've had this glitter. That's why there were shiny ruby slippers. They were filled with glitter, and people try to take away your glitter. They're trying to take that away. That's what the, they covet that. So they are miserable people, and they try to bring you with them, and misery loves company. But so does joy loves company. Let's have more joy in our lives. This is, you know, this is why you and I do what we do. We want to spread that word and have that be the paradigm, that be normal. Not the fighting be normal, not the adversity and and that that it's just and there's so much phoniness that comes with it. Trending and what's trending, this whole I have a new term, uh unwoke as fuck. <laughs> even they think that because they choose a certain cause, that they now get to dictate what your cause is and your language, and they get to assess you and put a label on you because you use the wrong terminology of something you didn't know or but nothing to do with your intent or the type of person you are. They will decide. I say to them, well, what if I decide Native Americans have it the worst? You don't say anything about them. Does that mean you're not woke? So that's my new, here's my, here's my, here's my <laughs> this is the mouse pad. Unwoke, unwoke <laughs> AF. 
Beautiful. It's not to say I'm not. Why don't you just say you're empathetic or compassionate to say that instead of to I'm woke. And that means you're you're asleep. I'm not asleep. And neither are you. Neither is anyone. We're all awake if we choose to be. You know, the pain's inevitable. Suffering is the choice. And I choose no suffer. And the way you suffer is you get in line with these people. You start following, become a shell of yourself. I couldn't agree more. I'm 49 years old and you just totally changed the way I view the Wizard of Oz story. I mean, genuinely, <laughs> you brought some enlightenment to my understanding of that. So I have more, by the way, if you ever want to dig down deep, that that every single frame of that has significance. Every single frame of it has some sort of meaning that was peppered into the movie. It's a story. It's our story. It's a beautiful, and that's they actually predicted in the beginning of that movie. They said this will last for generations. Who does that with a movie? Say, oh, this is this is going to be the greatest movie ever. Everybody's going to watch this movie, and they're right. We all watch it as kids with our families, and that was another thing. Family bonding does not exist as much anymore, and they took that away from us too. Ironically, that's kind of symbolically taking the Wizard of Oz from us because we're detached and we're looking at scrolling 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 and we're not centering 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 and by the way i'm guilty of it <laughs> i have all these hip i'm, I'm a hypocrite <laughs> that's why i like to say i'm stuck between namaste and kiss my ass that's where i live i live in that space that's the name <laughs> of your your lo, uh, latest tour as well is that right yeah yeah it's and, and a lot of people relate to that too they're just admitting it yeah i'm a spiritual cat i'm really into personal evolution and personal development and but I also have my times where I just slip and it's like a monk giving the finger. So it's like, yeah, I've got that too. We all do. Absolutely. We're human. Yeah, it's all part of the human experience, you know. But I lean much more into we got to laugh more. Just that, It's the answer. It's not out there. No, no. And we'll get to that. I want to start your timeline in a second. But just one more um, analogy from The Wizard of Oz that I always use is behind the curtain. And the irony is a lot of people listening, you know, especially fire, EMS, law enforcement, we get to see the world in a very unique perspective. Like we get to actually see what works and what doesn't. So, you know, you have, for example, a lot of this body positive, you know, conversations, which I think there's a, an element of absolute truth in that. You shouldn't be ashamed of the way you look, but there needs to be a road back towards health. Otherwise, my ugly mug is the last thing you're going to see when I'm sticking pads on your chest and, and you know, breathing down your throat. So, how true? It's it's you know I I wish I've said this a lot. I wish that there were more voices from first responders. I mean, the Navy SEALs, for example, Jocko Willink. I mean, such a great representation of his community. But there is so much value to what we see: drug prohibition, gangs. I mean, you know, all these things, the school violence. And yet it's kind of lost in the white noises, as you said, wokeism and, oh, God, have you seen who's on my Bud Light can or whatever the, the latest distraction is? And we're missing so much value and so much gold from the first responders perspective. And this is what I feel. I feel like our community is standing there with the curtain open going, are you not seeing this? But no one's listening. Yeah. No, no, people, it's very rare that they listen. Luckily, there's some credibility that goes along with it. Try being a comedian and getting a message across. Like, what do you know? <laughs> because we're the first to go, by the way. We're the ones that they want to cancel. We're the ones that they come after, you know, because we're the voice of truth. We are the curtain pullers. We're Toto. <laughs> we're Toto. And we're doing it and people resent it. You know, that's the way they want this to stay the same. 
I mean, they're they're canceling and censoring. And, and what's funny, I told you I left the left, and I'll, I'll never go full right either. I'm just not going to. I'm going to stay in a, stay in a centered space. And one of the reasons I left the left is the intolerance. It, there will not even be any openness to other health alternatives. It's it's trust science. Well, who are you going to? Which scientist do you trust? And you don't know anything about this. Did you trust Mengele in Nazi Germany? They trusted him. Yeah, right. I was trusting science. You didn't get the idea there. You yeah. don't get that. You, know, you don't deify certain people that just because they have a leadership position. Why don't you just question it instead of being angry at me for questioning it? Why don't you question it and just, and just unpeel this thing? It might be scary to see what it is. I remember when weapons of mass destruction was the big, right, the big narrative pounded down. Bush had eighty percent approval rating. I've never seen anything like it because he had a bull. Horn on top of that rubble. Let's go get him. I remember thinking, who are you going to go get? Who, who are you going to go get? What kind of? I knew he was up to something. Let's let's make sure that you know who the enemy is now. And anyone that says anything against it is not an American. Let's go after those people too. They're 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 not patriotic. They're not American. To me, that's the most American thing you can have. That's democracy. Is to challenge authority. Challenge this guy and go, really, what's going, what's really going on here? And then this Hans Blix went over there and he was trying to say to people, but then he gets the label conspiracy theorist. And that's what they do. That's why they label people conspiracy theorists, because they don't want to be found out. Erin uh, Brockovich, they don't want to find she was a conspiracy. It turns out she was right. Daniel Ellsberg with the Pentagon Papers. Turns out Vietnam was full of it, but nobody pays for it. Same with weapons of mass destruction. We never found them. Jeffrey Wigand from the cigarette, uh, right? He's the one that this, he was the insider. He had the guts to go through it. It's only because some people have the guts to go through it and be tortured by it, sometimes killed, often killed, because they're brave enough to say something like, hey, you look behind this curtain. There's a guy back there that's not this wizard. He's projecting an image that you are afraid of and you follow, but he's really just a guy behind the curtain. I'm not a very good wizard. No, I'm not. That's like, it's amazing to me that we don't take the pause, the sacred pause for ourselves and figure that out. And I love what you're saying here is you get to see the results of people that don't unpack, that don't look at their health. And now we're so careful with language. Like you can't use the word fat. Well, when I was growing up, use the word fat and you might go, yeah, I am. And I'm going to go get well and not be fat anymore. That's the answer, right? The answer isn't just, oh, just keep embracing this, that I don't eat well, and I'm a diabetic, and I eat the wrong foods. You know, Look at the obesity in America. We're number one. We're always well, number one. We're number, yeah, we're number one in obesity, too, and a lot of other things that are going to kill you at an early death. And then there's the medical charges for that, and there's a whole system that's broken down with people profiting from you not being well. So why are we not zeroing in on what makes you well? And one of the things that makes you well is laughter. Absolutely. Well, just oh, you, you made me embrace it. <laughs> you made me think about something I never thought before. There are so many people that have come on the show that were that conspiracy theorist, or that person that was swimming upstream. And I'd like to think that this podcast is, you know, how dare you talk about health and you know wellness in the pandemic, for example? You know, it's it's a virus. You know, take your mask, take your vaccine, and shut up. But um, <laughs> exactly. but then you have a lot of these true extremist conspiracy theorists that are saying that Sandy Hook never happened and all these things. And I wonder, 
are they being put front and center so you can't figure out the real people who actually aren't conspiracy theorists that wow. have things that are worth noticing wow so it's a conspiracy under the conspiracy <laughs> that's that's heavy i hadn't thought of that one i like that one because you're it's funny you should bring up sandy hook i'm like oh boy yeah and by the way, I will unpack and unpeel and listen to the other, even if it sounds as absolutely whack. I checked out. Uh, here's one that's soft for people. They can understand. They'd be okay with me like, investigating this is the moon landing. So I'll go, okay, what could be behind that? And then, you know, okay, I see the flag and there's no wind up there. How's that flag? You know, all that kind of stuff. So I watched it. There's no harm in watching it. It's not going to do me any harm. And let's say that was a conspiracy. So, you know. Great. I'll still say Neil Armstrong is the first one on the moon. doesn't matter. It doesn't affect my life at all. But there are things that do. And if they're taking you down a path that could kill you, an early death that could really lead to seizures or anything, you better, better check that out first. They talked about warp speed. I don't want anything happening to me that has to do with warp speed. Then there's logical questions I ask. Is how many how many trillions of dollars that we spent on cancer research and we still don't have a cure but you're gonna have a cure for covid the thing that doesn't kill you nearly as much as cancer does none of it so i ask those questions and people are offended you just ask the questions because the people who are creating cancer are making billions of dollars because m nearly all cancer is environmental but when Anybody are we ever looking at the environment? James said this, not me. James said that. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my power gone out? What's going on? <laughs> Hello, <laughs> James, are you there? <laughs> <laughs> that happened once. I was posting a video during early in the pandemic. And again, it was just a, my stance has always been this. Whatever you're leaning, if you trust a vaccine, you need a healthy body to have a healthy response to that vaccine to create immunity. If you don't trust the vaccine, you need a healthy body to have a healthy response to the virus raw dog in it. Either way, there's one truth. That was all I said in this video. I, it, I have never seen, like, it literally, the matrix glitched. I was immediately kicked out of Facebook and all this stuff. I'm like, oh shit, what just happened? And then eventually it kind of self-stabilized. I don't know if AI had a little, you know, stroke moment for a moment, but it was it was very much like I was about to get shut down for literally having the audacity suggest that underlying health would be something that would be helpful during a pandemic. But yeah, it was it was really, really it wasn't just like, oh, my phone ran out of battery. There was some shady about to shut me down shit in that moment. And it took a few minutes and then I was able to log back in finally. But it was immediately yeah. when I post that and I guess it had time to analyze what i was saying but it was again you talk about censorship that was definitely like uh oh i almost got canceled myself then for standing in the middle silly me that's why i talk about the like the iraq war where people were, in retrospect you can see the charade that went on right now we can all see it didn't happen didn't, and yet people can't admit they can't admit they're fooled and this is one of the reasons like people freak out you can't fool me hey listen I admit it. I'm that way too. I don't, I've gone to magic shows. I'm going, there's no way that guy's that's magic. There's no way that's, that's real. This guy is, that was real magic. There's no way he could have fooled me. I'm looking, I'm, I'm a smart guy. And that on that little level, that happens to all of us on a big level with what they're selling us and that you can't even protest. It's like going to a magic show and ruining it for everyone. Go, it was in his sleeve. 
Trust me, everybody. He was in looking at sleep. He's got a rabbit in there. It's a, he's tucked in there. Look, they don't like that. You're going to ruin their show. And I'd like to ruin the show when it comes to this because this is our lives at stake. This is just entertainment. This is our these are our lives that are at stake. And your health is the most important thing. I just opened up these healing centers of something that no one ever heard of, but it's sweeping the nation because there's this whole underground swell that you and I are part of. We're part of a new paradigm and, and it, there's a shift that's going on. It's happening, but we have to be quiet about it. It's happening slowly and slowly and slowly where people are getting it one by one by one. And we're having these, we're whispering down the lane and I'm finally a whisper comes back and they'll go, me too. I didn't want to tell anyone. I didn't, I had that discovery too. Like you were telling me a couple of discoveries you've had today. I'm going, oh, good. I like that. I probably gave you a couple today as well. That's what happens is, is if enough of us get together, the group becomes larger and larger and larger. And then the other ones, you know, they're going to keep squealing. And they squeal loud and we they, and they cancel us. But eventually you can only like stamp out so many bugs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's, they're going to run out and things are being discovered and unpeeled here that there's, you know, they're, they're not talking about injuries, by the way, vaccine injuries. People will, you will not, you saw every day was COVID death counts. Every day of the news was a COVID death count. Not one time in the news. And I don't watch, but I can guarantee you, you're not going to see any, this might have happened because of a vaccine injury. Just not going to see it. And how sad is that, that we can't get an entire, you know, scope of things. And it's an entire, like, go to other scientists, go to other doctors, go to other, you know, great thinkers. They don't have to even have the degree because a lot of times they're in line, too, because they're getting bribed. How does it all work? How does the system work that they're that wealthy? There's some bribing going on. Politicians are bribed. Laws are changed to protect the. I got to be smart about this. Just look at laws. So it's not a theory. That's the truth that there are laws that protect big pharma now. I'm going to get struck down. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to add to that, something that I've spoken about, even removing the vaccines, where is the ticker for obesity related deaths? Because it would basically match what we saw COVID, but it doesn't stop. There is no Delta variant of obesity. You just keep dying and dying and dying and dying. And let's throw some fentanyl deaths in there too. Whoa, now you've got a, another ticker. But they don't want to hear that. But that's, you know, those were a large part of the deaths that were attributed to COVID. You know, exactly. and I would argue even to the vaccine. Like the vaccine sometimes was probably killing people who were already vulnerable. And it was, was COVID going to get them first? Was the vaccine going to get them first? I mean, you know, once you are more vulnerable then yeah i mean an, an insult whatever that looks like internally can be the final nail in the coffin but if we really want full transparency then let's get those tickers back let's look at the state of america the, the health of america and how many hundreds of thousands of people are dying each year from all these related deaths but they don't want that because that you know a doesn't back up their um, scaremongering of covid because you'll be like oh that was actually similar to what we saw 2020 21 but you know there's no virus anymore because the underlying health is still there and we totally disregarded the opportunity to really make some incredible changes in the health of this country we had a captive audience so it was never about health because nothing changed so that's that's where i where you know i get so angry we could have made such a change and it was disregarded and, oh by the way to top it all off it increased our mental health it that 
became a huge issue of people being isolated, locked away, not being there for their loved ones when they die, not going being able to go to school and, you know, the ridiculous mandates and all this kind of stuff. People got worse. Now, I'm not, this is a personal story, but my wife, the most incredible human being I have ever met, went down so dark and deep into this hole. She's unrecognizable. You know, and, you know, kidnapped the kids, took them away, changed the password in a bank account, stole all the house money. This is a person that was hugely spiritual and beautiful. But she got locked away and she chose to follow a woman like a cult leader into this toxic femininity. Get your sovereign freedom, mamas. You know, she's a mother of two and, you know, middle aged and menopause. And this woman preys upon that. And that's what people prey upon vulnerabilities. And this vulnerable wife of mine went to the point of, it's like literally Anakin Skywalker. I'm sure you've watched the Star Wars. It's literally the dark side has taken over. And I remember thinking when I watched that movie, which had another impact, just like the Wizard of Oz, when he took that mask off, I thought to myself, wow, you wasted all of that time you could have been with your children. All based on you can't deal with your own resentments. And people have no proper way to deal with their anger their frustrations and what are they offered in return here's something to mask it we're going to give you something either a distraction or a drug we're going to just mask this thing do not talk about it i can't tell people her friends that she's mentally ill because me saying mentally ill i'm the bad guy you see the paradigm that we're under the system that we're under there's no there's no out there's no solution I'm going, hey, let's find a solution. Mommy's mommy's gone off the rails and the kids are affected by it. You know, it turned into a pathological liar. This woman taught her these things. Self-obsessed, all about her, doesn't care. And it's like, where did she go? And she thinks that she got her freedom from the other, that the other was phony, her spiritual path. That's what she's been convinced. So to me... It's about, again, the programming and the conditioning. We have been, She chose to have hundreds of hours spent listening to this pontificating woman with these theories, leave your husbands, the kids are resilient. This is what she was taught. And eventually, if you're vulnerable, you will accept it. So if it's pounded down, you must take this, this vaccine. Oh, then it changes vaccines. Oh, this one, doesn't, uh, Moderna, Johnson Johnson, then becomes, a, 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 nobody knows anything. You don't know anything. And admit it, you don't know anything. You're no more educated than I am on this, but I am a little more educated because I'm open to hearing everything else. That makes us educated, not where we go to school because you choose an echo chamber, you choose a certain news station, a certain group of people to listen to, even doctors to empower doctors. You're empower doctors. Which ones? Which ones are right? You ever peel it back and go, which ones are bribed? I'm sure you don't. I remember a guy at the very, very beginning, he's going, he wouldn't lie. Oh, really? None of them lie. No doctor lies because he's a friend of yours. That's the arrogance. And they prey upon that arrogance. So people with my wife, they go, now my ex-wife, they go, oh, no, no, it's you. It's you. You're abusive. You know, they're going to believe that. They prey upon that. Hashtags, trends, shaming, mass shaming that went on when it didn't make any sense. I had a guy yelling at me. You know, put a mask on, and he's got his nose is sticking out of his mask. I say, buddy, that's like putting a condom on your testicles. That's not ser- <laughs> serving no purpose, you jackass. 
or masking alone when you're in a car. What, what are you doing? The COVID's coming through the radio, through the moonroof. We've lost all logic and common sense. But I got to laugh. I just got to keep laughing. I'm laughing at them. I want to walk around with glitter in my pockets. And every time I find a jackass idiot, I just shower him with the glitter. So it's on him for at least a couple of days. This is a, this is a, this is a holy baptism in the world of moron. You are from the church of moron. <laughs> you are a moron. Start thinking and maybe the glitter will wake you up. <laughs> it's, it's insane what people have gone. And I'm trying to manage this, being surrounded by insanity. We're surrounded by it. And I'm glad you have a podcast that offers some solutions. Got to be willing. Absolutely. Well, I think this is what's so hard as well is, again, there's there's a complete, you know, 360 perspective of what everyone's been through. And some people lost family members, you know, when COVID was very, very real. So this is the, why the middle is the truth. But I watched families get torn apart, you know, friendships get torn apart, and obviously, you know, relationships too. And I've talked about this many, many times now, but, you know, you want to orchestrate the most destructive environment that will oppose human health, physical and mental health. You take away all their healthy outlets, so their parks, beaches, you know, gyms, etc. You you tell them don't congregate, don't have community, you know, you and then you deliver fast food and alcohol you tell them to stay in the house and you don't even tell them for how long. So you basically strip their autonomy. So that in itself, I mean, you couldn't have orchestrated a better way of breaking down the human body and making them more vulnerable to a disease. But then the ripple effect that I've seen on so many people, you know, obviously our school kids, especially imagine graduating and then coming out right at the beginning of COVID and then being mm. ridiculed for not getting a job at 18 months later. Well, we just <laughs> cut their legs out from them, you know? Yeah. So and it's you know it's heartbreaking to hear your story, but this is what also needs to be heard. It's not all right. It's not all wrong. It's that middle. What what do we do right? What do we do wrong? What have been the consequences? What should we evaluate next time we tell everyone to shut down? Does that now offset pro versus con? Because the the mental health impact. And I'll just give you a perfect example. One of the most heartbreaking things is a lot of children that come from less secure homes they the people that report their well-being the abuse are their teachers and we kept those children from the very people that were their saviors for mm. 12 18 months and a lot of my friends in that space are like it was awful because yeah. you know there was under reporting but once you know the floodgates open we realized just how many people had been trapped with that family from hell that was already bad and then you locked him in the house. So that yeah. has to be brought into the conversation. We can't just sweep it under the rug. And we do sweep it under, there's a big old elephant in the room and, and we are, you know, yeah, try to lift that elephant out of there. This is going to be a lot of uh, hard work. We got, we got a lot of work ahead of us and we're here with solutions. And I, I'm assured that I have found a solution. Now I have an organization called Laughter Heals. I'll tell you one example of how that I know that it works. Uh, one of my good friends, Michael Goldberg, he wrote Cool Runnings, Little Giants, really funny writer. You know, directed, he directed my first movie, The Love Master. And uh, I'll give you another idea on how it works is people come up to me after shows and give me credit for the conception of their child because they go home, they're not trying to have a child, but they're allowing for the loose flow 
that we really are. You know, you're not pressuring. And they have children now. I said, well, it's because laughter that did that for you. And the guy pretends he's the love master, this character I do. Yeah, baby, I love you so good. Your neighbor will have a smoke, baby. So the woman's laughing and they're having a good time. They're having sex. They're not intense about it. And these children have arrived. One was conceived in the parking lot of the Brea Improv. They sent me a photo. This kid came out. Ah! So Golds, his wife was ovulating while we were filming the movie. And he did the love master. And then baby Kayla was born. And then a year and a half, two years after that, he got brain cancer. They said, you have three months to live. And that was my, that was my big, big moment, my ha-ha moment in life, where my life had all been about you know, attention, seeking, and, you know, I'm going to get some laughs and, you know, and it gets laid and everything else. And that was the moment I went, does laughter, is it the best medicine? I mean, how, how callously we cast that off. During the pandemic, we were shut down. Comedians were shut down. We should be encouraged to bring out to bring the medicine. We should have been first responders. What do they call them? Essential workers. We should have been essential. But they found other, they found food to be essential. Got to keep that going. Can't stop McDonald's. Can't stop those fast food places putting out that fat and that those toxins that make us the fattest country in the I'm sorry, the most obese. Not to watch my language. Use the F word, mind. Why not? If it scares people into saying, I got to get well, then, 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 then that, if that works, that works. So Golds, they gave him three months to live. They said, get your affairs in order, say goodbye. No, he did not. He remained in a space of, I'm going to laugh. I'm going to my dying breath. He showed up for all these programs I developed. He showed up for one of the prescriptions is go to more comedy shows, share your favorite sitcoms. This is easy stuff, by the way. You don't have to be the funniest person in the room to say, here's my favorite movie. And here's a quote from it. You end up laughing and smiling into those aren't pillows from plain trades. Oh, no, it doesn't matter. You can just bring that levity instead of darkness. And you have this, this long to live. And this one tells me this, you empower these doctors to dictate your life. He wouldn't have let it. He actually begged the doctor. Don't tell us. They kept Don't tell us. He goes, but I have to tell you. Three months. They did it anyway, this doctor. I'll never forget Gold's reaction to that. He said, I can't believe I, I told him not to. He lived 15 years past the three months. 15 years. And difficult times. Having brain cancer is really tough. 15 years. Because he added a reason to live. He just put that at the top as let's laugh together. That's number one. Is that number one out there in the news? They have a 20 second piece at the end. There's how about that cat in that tree stayed there for four days. <laughs> Back to you, Bob. There's a hurricane coming. I mean, it's just, that's the way it is. I'll put a little chuckle in there. It's scripted. And I'm just shocked at how we end up just in line, believing it. Instead of having more fun, encourage the comedians, never cancel a comedian, never over one word, one phrase, one something you didn't, understand you misinterpreted or it was misinterpreted for you people were mad at dave Chappelle about his transgender jokes or whatever they couldn't even tell you what the joke was they couldn't even tell you what effect it's having on people that people are going around murdering i'm doing this because dave Chappelle told me to that's how stupid we become he's transphobe you know put a phobe or an ist on something they do not know what he said i can guarantee it because i watched it with that thought well, okay what's he saying that's going to arouse people's 
fears or their anger. Nothing. He's just admitting his truth. Pulling the curtain. But that's not what they want to hear. So then the they, uh, now they, they's a whole other meaning now. <laughs> it used to be. You know what they say? Now it's just this small group that identify as a they. And because I might have a joke about that, cancel me. If you want to be included, you know what part of being included is? Take a joke. It's part of it. Ball busting. Spend my life ball busting. That's what you do. And having my balls busted. I'll bust my own balls. I'm self-defecating. I'll shit on myself. I don't care. Anything to get the laughs going. Not affecting me. It affects me in a positive way. If people do more laughing, they're affected in a positive way. It uplifts us. It changes your vibration the more you laugh. Get well. It's right there, but people don't want to see it. Well, you're talking to an audience that does that. Because I tell you, firehouse humor is no holds barred. I mean, we always say, like, if someone... That's probably why some of the documentaries about us are very kind of surface level because they wouldn't let the, the crews into the station when we were actually letting loose. But like wow. my, my, <clears throat> one of my favorite crews that I ever had, um, I, you know, I'm British. My, my firefighter partner was from South Africa. Um, my engineer was a Mexican American. And then our captain was this crusty old, um, I mean, Anglo American, I guess you'd say of Scottish heritage. And it was just relentless absolutely relentless but like you said we were all in and you know i think when i hear about censorship i'm like how did south park get through and i think the answer was because they make fun of everyone and isaac hayes's story is a perfect example the moment he was offended by the scientology episode then they created quite an epic episode (laughs) after that but this is it as long as everyone understands that if you're going to make fun then it goes both ways then you don't get offended anymore. As long as it's coming from a place of love. If it's coming from a place of hatred, that's different. But that's not comedy anymore. That's just being a dick. I agree. You know what's so funny? You should say that. I teach this acronym for laughter. It's love, acceptance, uniqueness, um, gratitude, truth. Oh, I'm sorry. Humility is H. T is truth. E is for ego. And R is for reboot, rejoice, and so on. And the first thing I say to them, it's so, it's great that you said that, is love. At the base of all great sitcoms, there was a great sitcom back uh, years ago called Mary Tyler Moore. And Mary Tyler Moore had this relationship with her boss, Lou Grant. Mr. Grant, you know, and Mary, you know, and he was this, you know, crusty guy. And, but they had love underneath all of it. And you knew that any great sitcom, there's love, no matter what the conflict is. The second is the A is the lack of acceptance. That's where conflict comes in, inner conflict, outer conflict. It's something you can't accept. And there's nothing wrong with that. You have a hard time accepting it. We all do. Hard time accepting. And that's where the arguments come in. But when there's love at the base, so it starts with the L, that's the foundation of everything. And I tell people, you are born in love, light, and levity, laughter. You're born like that. Then they condition you to to go against everything your natural instincts are to have more fun. That's the craziness. So here you are in a high pressure situation, a death defying situation. Sometimes what are you supposed to do about it? Stay in that space of anger and intensity or your better flow will happen. If you're laughing, you'll do a better job. 
You'll be more present. You're more aware. That's what happens when you laugh. That's the system we should be under. Think about that. More of that. Lean in on making fun of each other. It's harmless because you love one another. You not only love that, you love what you're doing together as one. You become one unit. It's even called a police unit or firefighting unit because you have a unity. It's unified. You have to be. And that's how you get there. Other people from the outside, they're the ones who are doing the judging. It's these small voices that are ruining it for everybody because they become squeaky wheels and they become threatening and idiots buy into it. Like corporation own people own corporations. They buy into it and they get sucked into it. And Bud Light's a perfect example of you're going to pay for that now because it's false. It's phony. You're just doing something for diversity's sake. I watch these commercials and my kids laugh at me because I sound like a crusty OG cranky over here. <laughs> so I'm going, look at this. These people would never be in the same room in real life. True. They wouldn't be in the same room. Let's bring it. Let's bring in Asian lesbians. Let's bring it. Oh, here you go. Here's here's heavy black man with a with a with a you know a skinny Anglo woman. You know, let's combine everybody in this in this situation that doesn't exist. And what happens is phony never works. It doesn't, it works temporarily, but it doesn't work. It won't sustain itself. It just can't. It's a lie. It, you're, do, you're doing a lie when you're just doing things for diversity's sake. Do it organically. You cast somebody in a role that they're right for and so on. But that's, that's Hollywood. They're buying into it. Government buys into it. They all buy into it. Now we have our indies like us. We have to be the stronger voice, the indie voice that's inside of all of us. What, I remember Robert Downey Jr. was on Joe Rogan's podcast and they were having a conversation about Tropic Thunder. And and Joe was like, you could never do that today. And I actually dressed as that character for Halloween a few years ago. And I remember seeing the faces and everyone's, you know, the looks on their face when I walked in. But I'm like, how sad. That is literally making fun of the racism that used to exist in Hollywood. Bruce Lee's a perfect example. David Carradine played Bruce Lee's character because Bruce Lee looked too Asian, <laughs> you know? So that existed, blackface and all that stuff. That was oh. a parody. And the fact that you say you can't do that anymore, so you're actually opposing the very movement that is ridiculing the racism that was in Hollywood? For fuck's sake, open your eyes. Like, you're missing it to the point now where you're canceling any any advancement in our thinking. Get away from some of the... The and that's what humor that does. Exists. That's what humor does. Humor takes another look at it, another whole uh, absurd look at it. I was the most absurd character, one of the best characters ever. That movie was hilarious. And all thing you can't go full retard. That is unbelievably funny, <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> and it's so from true. an Academy Award perspective, it is spot on. I used to have a bit about that in my act, which was true. I took a true thing. I said. If you're betting on the Oscars, we used to do Oscar pools. I said, I guarantee you, if somebody has an affliction, they 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 rise up so fast. You know, for you know whether it's Forrest Gump, son of a woman who's blind, Ray Charles is blind, whatever it is. If they have an affliction, you have a really good chance. But if you're doing you know Cuba Gooding in radio, that's full retard. <laughs> so you're not going to win. And that's what they were they were playing that up to get to show people how ridiculous this is. I used to say. Oh, oh, by the way, add English in there. English. So if you add, you know, we revere you in Hollywood. You know, if it's English, oh, it's got to be good. We're always the bad guys, though. 
No, no, <laughs> you're the leads. You're the leads. <laughs> I have a British accent, of course. I'm, I have a new impression I do, by the way, but Liam Deason from Taken. I have a very special set of skills, skills I have acquired over a long career, skills that help me deal with people like you. Now, if you let my daughter go, I will not look for you. I will not find you. <laughs> that's, that's my new one. But that's a good he's one. Very, he's very, very popular, but he's from England or from the British Isles. Is he, I, anyway, so my theory was if you made a movie, oh, my left foot one too, by the way, that's full on flick. That's he's only got a left foot. <laughs> so it's like a, all the other ones, uh, you know, you're just blind or you have some other sense that's out or whatever it is. That would win every single year. So this is, I wrote the joke of the year Titanic came out. Oscar nominations everywhere, but Leonardo DiCaprio did not because he played a straight character, a straight white character, right? I said, if he was, uh, I said, you could do, uh, if, if that was, it was the same year as, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Angelina Jolie's ex. Uh, Brad Pitt. Was, no, no. Uh, oh, it, um, Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, uh, sling blade sling blade that was the year he he became out oh my he was the man he was he was was, you know retarded so anyway i said my joke was if he was on titanic he would have won the oscar there's a big hole in the boat Mm, water's cold water's deep Mm. he wouldn't (laughs) have let rose push him off the fucking door that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) Take some room on that boat, or I'm gonna take a chainsaw. <laughs> so that was the premise, of, and then the other one was uh, you could do porn. My left foot could have been porn, and it still would have won. I can't cut my cock. <laughs> so it's like that's the thing is we're making fun and making fun of Hollywood and making fun of these standards that we live by that we just don't look at. We just accept it, and it's just mindlessly just become mindless and just accept what they throw in front of us. And they toss in front of us and they bombard us and pound us with these messages. And we're not questioning whatsoever. There's no curiosity. I teach that as well. Be curious. My buddy did a movie, by the way, about the pandemic. Do you know how fast this was torn down? I can imagine because I've had people on here that actually had made documentaries prior to this about, for example, masks and things, and just disappeared, disappeared oh, in 2020. Disappeared. And sometimes they disappear. He had to he had to move into another state. I mean, this is a guy that was with me, full left, Bernie bro. So people can't say conspiracy theory. This is a guy that did this for his children as he unpacked things that he was, people gave it to him. I mean, they gave him all this information. He unpacked it. Wasn't a theory. It's people was speaking the words and the patents and signatures and contracts. This is all just put before you. So it's not a theory. They took it down within seconds. I'll give you, I'll I'll give you the uh, private link if you want. Yeah, please. It's the most brilliant but scary of what's really happening here. And it's not a theory. You you can't. And here's how smart he is. He debunks the debunkers. You know, the debunkers are on the take. Snopes on the take. It's, it it really is scary how deep it goes and bots and everything else that are hired. I mean, they have the money to shut you down. So they, they took his off. By the way, that doesn't that instantly tell you that they're guilty. 
Oh, well, exactly. They call, exactly. They call it mis- yeah. misinformation. There's misinformation every day. It's not fact checking going. Every piece of news that comes out could be misinformation. Nobody's fact checking it because it's network news. They have all the money. There's the, there was a piece done on Monsanto, which is another company that's pretty, pretty deep pockets to have, you know, propaganda put out and to take over other farms and have, you know, the seeds, you know, <laughs> patents on the seeds and things like that. If these Fox News contributors, they did a piece on them. They were fired. <laughs> they were shut down and fired. Yeah, I mean, this is it. I mean, I see it from a lot of people that I know that are just trying to, you know, put out good information, maybe leading towards one way. And again, now now I see their Instagram posts like, hey, I've been banned to message for a year or I've been shut down or whatever. You know, and I know that these are, you know, somewhat middle of the road, maybe leaning one way, but definitely not extreme in any way, shape or form. And they're good people, good human beings. But going back to the the um, the performance side for a second, I remember seeing there was one year in the Academy Awards where it was obviously just, you know, African-American time. And I think Sidney Poitier won the Lifetime Achievement Award, which is probably he should have won a lot, but you know, long, um, sooner than that. But the real one that stuck with me was Denzel Washington won it for, I think it was Training Day. That's right. Now, yeah. Denzel had done Cry Freedom, Malcolm X, The Hurricane, some wow. phenomenal, phenomenal. Hurricane. Unbelievable performance. And didn't like win shit for that. So this is the problem is that, you know, again, the pendulum swings one way or the other. Yes, they're, why the hell? And I don't know what they were up against in those years. But if you're telling me that Denzel's best work was training day, <laughs> I, I disagree. That's just me. I'm sorry, but I disagree. Some of his work. He, by you know, the way, is, he is probably disagreed. He oh, probably sure. disagreed. You know what I mean? Like, he knows the truth. We, the truth is being un, unveiled about Hollywood. I live here, by the way. I've been in the business for a long time, but I detached myself. When they gave a standing ovation to Will Smith after he literally, it was assault, illegal assault. Ten minutes later, they gave him a standing ovation, not just a, a clap like, hey, way to go. You want a standing ovation to revere this guy who assaulted a comedian. And when I said that we went way backwards because the comedians, free thinkers, truth tellers, he wasn't even saying anything. And we even took people took his side. They said, oh, he's bagging on alopecia. First of all, he wasn't. He was actually calling her a badass by saying you could be G.I. Jane. That's a cool compliment. You're a badass. But everybody twisted it. They get into that narrative. The echo chamber, the echo chamber is only echoing. There's no look to the outside of that chamber. And I could not believe it. And by the way, it opened up floodgates for idiots and audiences for comedians. Oh, I can yell up. I can go, I can get up and slap them. I tell them I'll slap you back. You better not come near my stage. (laughs) I mean, I'm from Philadelphia. Uh, That that doesn't fly, but it does fly for certain people, especially when they get that drunk courage. And they definitely have way too much courage. The keyboard cowards, they're really bad news. Why aren't they encouraging us? Like if you heard, if I said something today that you liked, if an audience likes some, one thing that I said, right? But if they disagreed or had a problem with one of the things I said, which do you think they're going to write to me or to you or to social media? Which one do you think? The negative one. Yeah. Which are we programmed to do? We're mm-hmm. programmed to respond like that. Like, how dare you? Without any nuance, without any curiosity. And what did you really mean by that? What was your intention? 
No, I'm just going to respond the way I was programmed to respond. What I'm really saying to people is, it's a, I would hope it's a value is to say, hey, I believe in you. I believe in you, who you really, truly are. At your core essence, your core being, I believe in that. I believe in your health, your wellness, your mental health, your spiritual health, your emotional health, your physical health. I believe in you. They don't want to hear it. I've been diagnosed. I've got two diagnoses that were supposedly incurable. I don't have them anymore. Started with mindset. I don't have Crohn's disease. They told me it's incurable. I was taking sulfur pills and all this surgeries, all this kind of No, I just stopped. I went, you just told me it's incurable? How can you possibly say that? That means there's no evolution in science that could find a cure for this? No, I'm not going to accept that. And how come you're not looking at the East, you know, Eastern philosophies and medicines? How come acupuncture isn't covered by your insurance, but pills are? How come Crohn's disease doesn't exist in cultures where they eat holistically? Thank you. Thank you. Right. I always say that, by the way, if you want to know the answer to something, go cheat off your neighbor who's like really got it together. Even if it's gun control, go look at another country where it works, where there's less murders. Or if there's a health issue or the health care, go look at a country that handles it in a really good way. Go copy. We don't have to be that arrogant and go, well, our way is the right way. Of course, it's not the right way. I say the same thing all the time, like Norway's prisons, Portugal's drug policy. I mean, the UK's health system when fully funded, I think is phenomenal. Like I wheel someone into an ER in England, they're not asking for a social security number. They're like, what's wrong with, you know, so-and-so? But this is the issue that a lot of people don't see because it's all we've known. But it's just arrogance. Like have the humility to say, Oslo, you're not having young men murdering each other on your street corners. What are you doing different to us? How can we learn from it? Is it apples to apples? Maybe it's slightly off, but ultimately we're still human beings. But it's that humility piece. And if we're so arrogant that we beat our chest saying we're number one on the, on the planet, and as you pointed to, we are in certain areas, school shootings, obesity, you know, overdoses, and I'm not being doom and gloom, but we've got to pull out the problem is enough pride. We're all very proud of being from this country, right. and it is a beautiful country full of amazing people. But yeah. if you truly love your country, you advocate for change. You try to make and, it better. And challenge. Yeah. I mean, Teddy Roosevelt said it as well. You got to challenge authority. Um, Eisenhower, who was a general, said, look out for the military industrial complex. Look, Watch out. If that happens, we're going to be in trouble. I mean, it doesn't matter where it comes from, where the messenger is. It could be a comedian, by the way. It could be a comedian. Why would it not be a comedian? Well, it's ironic, by the way, is they're really, really hyping up the uh, the, the president of Ukraine. And he was a comedian, by the way. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, well, look at Joe. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously people have different perspectives of him. I've always liked him way before he grew to this size now. But I mean, Joe Rogan has, you know, trumped a lot of these media outlets in as far as his, his yeah. reach. So that's a comedian. Okay, and by the way, oh, they try to take him down. Oh, yeah horse dewormer and all that little narrative that went out there. Oh, they tried their best. They were actually artists. I was shocked. Like a, like it was a Neil Young or one of like some of these older, like I couldn't believe that they would, you know, be against free speech. That's what you're about. Well, a lot of these people also had no problem with the first responders that held the line for a year without vaccines and masks and PPE. And now all of a sudden they're calling them for their termination because they're, you know, going to murder everyone's grandma because now all of a sudden they don't want this vaccine. And, you know, I'm all about 
choosing, you know, if you choose to. But I mean, you, to, to fire, to terminate a first responder who you had no issues being out there with no protection, because now all of a sudden you think this vaccine is, you know, is the, the elixir of life. Then and now, you know, fast forward, you realize that it's not the science is there showing it's not having anywhere near no. the efficacy. And you're still calling these, you know, to lose these people's jobs, to take their jobs from them. Those people should be fired. The ones trying to come after these selfless servants that were in the hospitals and on the streets when everyone else is hiding in their home. It's a really good point. It's that's yeah. And by the way, laughter improves the efficacy of anything that you're doing, any drug, any injections, anything laughter does improve. That's been proven time and time again. It releases healing endorphins and oxygenates your body. All the things that you need, laughter gives you. But it's the last thing on the on the line. You know, it's amazing to me how people just ignore it. They just ignore it. Laughter is the best medicine. Might, might even say it, but they don't believe it. So then go get your pharmacy. Go to many comedy clubs. That's why I tell people, I, you don't have to go see me. I'm performing around. Look at my website. But I mean, <laughs> here in Naples, go see, yeah. some, go see someone else. What, I was just in Naples. Now I'm in, uh, I'm actually down the street. I could walk to my next job at the Canyon Club in Agora Hills. And even when I'm giving tickets away to friends, it's the last thing on their plate, the last thing on their agenda. They have all these more important things to do that they're programmed to do. I should read some of the text messages. I could read them live on what they're doing in place of going and laughing for, and, and I make people laugh really hard for 90 minutes straight where they're hurting the end. They go, you needed to stop. You know, my face hurts. I have Bell's palsy. I love it. <laughs> love giving people Bell's palsy. But why would you turn that down? Even, and I even offer free tickets. Why would you want to say, well, I, I have to go to dinner with my friends. I, I have dinner plans, plans with my friends. Well, why not go to laugh after dinner? Why not add that to your plans or we have to do a certain barbecue? Why not go after the barbecue, whatever it is? Why not adjust to put laughter in your life as much as you possibly can? But every you look at people's planners, very rarely are they going, I got to go see a comedy movie. I got to watch a sitcom. I got to go to a comedy show. Very rarely do people have it on their calendars. Put it on your calendar. I'm saying like, like the kids laugh two, 300 times a day and we adult, adults laugh 20. Why not catch the kids? Put it on your goals. You know, they have a Fitbit. Have a laugh bit too. I'll count your laughs. How many times you laughed? You and I laughed a bunch of times today. Comedians, by the way, live very long lives. If they don't get into drugs and all that kind of stuff, very long lives. If you look at George Burns, he was performing in his hundreds, Bob Hope, Jack Benny. Milton Burrow, uh, uh, Phyllis Diller, Red Buttons, all these people live to make people laugh. They were surrounded by it, that energetic flow, that frequency that happens. Wow. I mean, that's powerful. But we don't look at it as powerful with this unlimited potential. One of the highlights of my entire life was when I was in university in London and I was... <sighs> There was an element of loneliness, definitely. So I would go to the comedy store in London on my own, like all you know, over and over and over again. And there was one night, and I wish I could remember the MC's second name, but it was Mickey something. And he was actually one of our like children's TV hosts when I was little. I didn't realize he was a stand-up comedian. And then Bill, not Bill Burr, Bill Bryson, the musical comedian. It was him. There was a couple others. And they each did their set. And then they came together. And I think they did... It was like a 30 or 45 minute 
encore where they were just bouncing off each other. And you talk about like I was sore, like I just did an MMA fight the night before um, from just laughing my ass off. And that's what I would go and do. Like I was aware of my loneliness. I grew up on a farm with a bunch of, you know, siblings. And now I'm stuck in some tiny bedsit in London and just, you know, surrounded by millions of people and deeply lonely. And I would go to the comedy store and it was, it kept me going. It really did. And I would laugh my fucking ass off, you know, for an hour and a half and then come out and that would reset me for a week or two. And then that was literally my medication. I love that you said reset. The other word you used before is humility. I told you the laughter acronym. That's the H is humility. I have people list their rumbles, stumbles, fumbles, crumbles, and tumbles. That's funny. That's funny. Failure's funny. I expose my failures all the time. People relate to it much more than they do arrogance. I don't understand why people follow arrogance. By the way, you know, there's another one who uh, comes from your country who I really, really dig. There's two of them, actually. Russell Brand and Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Ricky, talk about pulling curtains. Ricky Gervais. I mean, you talk about offending people. Like He's, the, he's a black belt in that shit. <laughs> he is. He's a master. And Russell Brand is a master of uh, uncovering and exposing and questioning and curiosity. And I, I love both of them. And I will follow them. Jordan Peterson's another one I really dig. It's, it's, um, I wish there were more women that were doing this. You know, they're asking for diversity, entitled to diversity, entitled to rights. But let's see a fight for them in a very smart and logical way, like these other people, where you're uncovering the true source. The true source aren't these individuals that say something that's not in a safe space. That's not your that's not the source of the problem. The source of the problem is the source where the money is, where they own the propaganda. That's where the source is. That's who's keeping you down. So why not you be a leader in that area and not go for you know, it's so easy Aziz Ansari went on a bad date. So she added him to the Me Too tag. Oh, let's all let's all pile on Aziz and sorry, a comedian, but at a bad date, didn't rape her. I believe her. So then that became the narrative. I believe her. Uh, me too. Then everybody's into me too. Let's all join that group. In the meantime, it's a distraction for all of the real insidious stuff that's that's going on. It's at the heart of everything. Oh, let's go get the comedian and cancel him for something that he said. It's scary. But it doesn't have to be. It has to be. We have to have more podcasts like this where it's solution-oriented, where we're really digging down deep and uncovering things you might not want to see. You don't want to see it. Nobody wants to admit it. Have you ever heard anybody come up to you and go, I rethought the Iraq war, and I think we should probably try some people for that. How many people it killed? And it really weren't those weapons, and there were no... Iraqis in 9-11 anyway. Is it, do you ever have anybody come up to you? Do, is there any news program that goes, we're going to unpack this for you. And there's a lot of uh, shady stuff going on. Yeah, it went away because people don't, they don't just don't want to believe it. Vietnam, there was a guy that actually came out and admitted it. He did a documentary. This documentary nobody watched. McNamara, who was the defense secretary at the time. It was a false war. There was no Gulf of Tonkin. They made it up. And became propaganda. People believed it. And if you didn't, you were a, you know, you were a, you weren't a patriot. You were a traitor. If you didn't follow along with their, what they were trying to tell you, it all became, then 
they really doubled down on it. You know, Bush Cheney really doubled down on that propaganda on you're a traitor and now and a freedom, a freedom. And then they had and then all the then the government got involved in our airplanes. You know, now we have long security lines run by the government to get us in line and make sure that we comply. Everything's about compliance and not freedom. That's the irony. Compliance over freedom. Freedom would be, yeah, I'm free to walk here. I'm free to go there. I'm free to say this. No, can't. There's language barriers, language rules that don't make any sense. Like, I'm, I'm trying to raise my kids right. You know, no, that's a bad word. I'm going, why is that a bad word? Because we've been conditioned it's a bad word. If I said to you, James, if I said, we're such a fnifna, and that's my F word, it meant nothing to you. You weren't insulted by that. You were part of a puzzled. What did you just call me? It's about my intent. Mm -hmm. But if I use the F word that scares people, oh, my God. Take them off the air. You can't even say it on network news or network anything. Can't say it. Has to have a rating system. Who does the rating system? Nobody ever analyzes that. Who rates these things? Who is it? You ever met one? Ever seen one? Has that ever been exposed? No. All part of the group. It's, it's, it's a, they're underground, and they're dictating what happens over the ground. It's amazing to me how we don't even question it. And they'll be mad at me for questioning it. Like I question, like I said, my on a personal level, my ex-wife, I question, she did something really crappy. Like, you know, uh, she organized a birthday party for my son without telling me. And I'm like, and here's how the power of man has so far gone away where I can't even protest. What an awful thing that is. That I'm the abuser because I tell her how wrong that is. This is the position men are in right now. We've been deballed. And saying that, even me saying that, misogynist, sexist, or whatever it is. No, I'm a human being has feelings also. And my feelings are this was not a good message to send to our son. That its mothers are in charge. You never hear a single word about it. I'm a single dad now. Not a lot of campaigning for let's help the single dad. I'm cooking breakfast the same as she does. But I'm also out earning all the money for both houses. You think anybody's going to get in line and go, let's campaign for Craig. Let's oh, that, let's go give him a round of applause. No, it's single mothers. I was raised by a single mother. And you just say that. People, oh, you're single. She sacrificed. Oh, I don't, no, I'm not sacrificing at all. No, I'm 24 hours working now. So add in dishes, add in homework, add in all that stuff. So now I'm a single dad running businesses. There ain't nobody following in line with that and going, no, let's go help this guy out. No, that's the way That's the way we're, we're built now is guys have all the burden. We now have the burden of what women usually have the burden of. Now there's this whole, I'm going to change diapers. I don't want to change any diapers, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't know. You have kids? Yeah. I've, uh, mine's 16 now, my youngest. But yeah, I-, I did, you, did, you, did you change their diapers? Yeah. I mean, I was a single dad from- Pretty much when he were. was when he was about what was he two I think so yeah I mean I wow. went through it and I and I remember posting at some point in you know months after because at that time it, she's so much better now at that time my ex was off partying and everything and was you know her family were coming to me crying going what's going on 
totally different now. She's she's in a totally different place. But at that moment, I remember going and, and the lawyer going, well, you know, good news. You know, you can get 50-50. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, and, and I remember posting Sam Cooke saying, it's a man's world. Well, he obviously wasn't a single parent in Florida because it no. was that. It was the inequality. Now, did I want to take him from his mother? No. But at that moment in time, you know, I was there when she was going through whatever she was going through. And, you know, it was, it really was apparent to me. It was like, celebrate that you get 50-50 because of that whole thing. And there's a lot of, you know, great dads out there. And I, and I agree completely. I've raised my son. I'm remarried now, but my wife's been in medical school the last two years, for example, 300 miles away. So, you know, I've still pretty much stayed as a single dad, even though I'm, I'm remarried. And, you know, it's it's an amazing um, position, but you're right. There's not that any, we're waiting for anyone to applaud for us, but it's kind of completely dismissed. You're a single mother. I'm a mom is like an entire, you know, um, job title for, for a woman. Yeah, but a, but, a dad, but you know what it doesn't they have exist a, the same way. We don't have a, What I'm saying is we don't need the pity party. We don't need applause. We need a support system. Yeah. We don't have any support system. Exactly. And then, so you're there doing gang. it on your own and, and you know. Because, because it's actually too feminized to be a guy that's, you know, that vulnerable or any like that. So we're stuck, but we're stuck in this place of no man's land where we do not have the support. We don't have the empathy for what we're going through. I mean, I, I, this makes no sense. I, I earn 99.9% of the money that comes into the family. And it is a family. It's still a family. I don't care if you're divorced. 99.9% of the money. And that's divided in half. Tell me how that makes any sense. So she can remain. She put down that she makes $500 a month. I said, a teenager doesn't make that. I made that cutting lawns when I was a kid. And you can't do with the skill set. You can't do anything else. Why should she? Why should she? She has the kids 50% of the time. Suddenly she needs child support. Well, I need child support. But it's all going to come from me and my hard work. Now, me saying that again, there's the rub. If I say it, then I'm the victim. Then I'm nobody's feeling sorry for the, the, the big white guy because it's a patriarchal society. And I get it, by the way. And I've been very supportive of that, of yes. When you go back centuries, it's been you know mostly white men in charge and dominating and controlling. But we have to do the pendulum that you spoke of earlier. We have to adjust to 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 the times that are now. We can't go full on. They get half, no questions asked. Of course, you have to ask questions. Why is she not working? Why is she not earning more than five hundred? Why why should she not be challenged? But I have to go die early because I work too hard. Now the kids don't have a father because I died too early because I have too much stress because I have to do all of it. Why? And especially if you're in a high-pressure job, or especially if you run a company where people can sue you easily now, employees can sue you. So what, what, you know, what do we have? What do we have left? It doesn't make any sense, but I want to get in a solution. But these conversations will lead to solutions. Support from other people. Hey, I'm in there too. Let's talk. Let's talk about this. Let's have a dialogue. Let's have, uh, let's unpeel some of this onion and get down to the nice core of everything and that, and have a good time. Have some damn laughs. Makes no sense why we don't laugh more. 
Well, that's a perfect segue because I wanted to put two things in before we kind of actually go to your beginning of Thailand. We've been talking for almost an hour and a half and we haven't even touched on <laughs> your journey yet. But this is the beautiful thing about these organic conversations. When the Will Smith incident happened, I looked in that man's eye. Oh, I didn't look. I mean, through the screen, I saw in that man's eyes what I've seen looking back at me in a mirror when I've been through some of my darkest points. So from Chris Rock's standpoint, completely wrong. That man did not deserve to be slapped for making a joke. But what an amazing opportunity to finally talk about mental health, especially in, in that culture, you know, where maybe it's talked about even less. And what happened? Yeah. It became a bunch Point. of fucking memes. Everyone laughed at, like I said, laughed out of meanness, laughed out of love. And then it was disregarded. And I thought, you know, to me, that's a man basically in Christ. Like, that's a dude I'm going to make sure that he doesn't go in his gun locker and, and start playing. He was playing. crying for help. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, now, sadly, yeah. Chris Rock was, you know, the, the, the symptom of that. I mean, he got to take the brunt of that crisis the same way as, um, you know, the drunk dude in the bar and you bump into him and he lays you out, not because he knows you and hates you, but because you just happen to bump into him at the wrong time. So, you know. Well, because I'll, I'll give you another answer for that because he's not healed. He's not working on his healing, and that's the position he's in. Yeah. And this is his only response is a trauma response. He hasn't handled his trauma from his childhood. That's why people lash out. That's why they hit. They've only been conditioned that that's what you do or you kill. This is what we are told from for a very, very long time. And we're it's actually lauded and applauded. Look at MMA, how popular it is right now. Mm -hmm. That is heavy fighting. That's nasty. We're sitting there going, look at that. Oh, my God. Fascinated by it. You don't, you don't see people encouraging, hey, look at them hug. <laughs> look at these two guys hug. Look at how they're healing. Look at how they're evolving. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, that was it. But that, that actually brings me to one more area, and then we'll go to your timeline. I just shared a beautiful video the other day someone had sent to me. And I'm not a big sports fan. Ironically, MMA is about the only thing I watch. And then England when it's the World Cup or UEFA every couple of years. But it was, and I don't even remember the gentleman's name, but a Philadelphia baseball player that was having the worst season. Apparently very, very good prior to that. Kept striking oh, out. Oh, Trey Turner. So they're booing him and booing him. And then It's a great story, by the way. I love that that happened in my hometown because we're known as throwing snowballs at Santa Claus. And that, by the way, stuck with people. It's 40 years. Get over it. Or they booed Michael Irvin when he was. they thought he was paralyzed or whatever. I mean, yeah, they could be nasty. But that that's all of Philadelphia. That was Philadelphia evolved, which I was very proud of it. Yeah. And by the way, it had a great effect on him. The positivity had a great effect on him. Exactly. So so they the Philly captain calls for the fans to not berate him, but to applaud every time he comes on the pitch, and then he starts playing well. And I'm like, what a beautiful analogy. We break people down. There's a keyboard warriors, there's this nastiness, this news and you know, analysis. Even the freaking ESPN and those have four dudes screaming at each other. And instead you just yeah. elevate, you support. You lift people up. You encourage. And that was a beautiful example of a, literally a single baseball player who probably was going through some shit between his ears, hence his performance. And that support pulled him out of it. And he ended up playing the rest of the season phenomenally, if I'm understanding the story right. 
Well, it hasn't been the rest. He's still in the season right now, and they traded for him this year, and he was amazing with the Dodgers. All of Los Angeles is upset that they let him go. But something happened psychologically, which happens to all of us. We, they, the yips happen, and there are people that are that couldn't throw a, a ball to first base all of a sudden that they would their arm would something happens mentally, and it ends up physically as me, physical manifestations happens to so many of us. But you just can't talk about it. There was listen, we've evolved enough though. There was a time that you literally couldn't say if you were a man, you couldn't say you went to therapy. There was a guy, I believe it was in the 70s, and you can look this up. I believe it was Thomas Eagleton was supposed to be the vice presidential candidate. And it turns out that he saw a psychiatrist. Now, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty close on this. And they took him off the ticket. That tells you the level of denial that we're in on these things and how we get shamed for taking care of ourselves. And no wonder so many shootings, killings, suicides. These are people that can't express themselves. They're not uh, dealing with traumas that are so obviously taken over their lives in the present. And this is why I do lean on the laughter as being at least, at least, at the very least, that temporary antidote to the poisons that are within us, the toxins, the toxicity that's taken over, takes over our entire mind, body, and spirit. It takes it over. And it's amazing to me to watch people just fall down that dark abyss and don't want to come out. They don't have a willingness to come out because there are tools that are out there. Lots of tools. Oh, it's too expensive. Oh, so your self-worth is worthless. I mean, your 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 healing, your your life is worthless. That you're gonna see, you're gonna put a number to that? Or are you gonna wait till it's to you've been diagnosed with something that was caused by pushing this stuff down? You're gonna wait till then? I just opened up healing centers, by the way, completely out there, like not FDA approved. And I'm going, good. <laughs> if it was FDA approved, that means they were bribed to approve it. That's a fact. So these, there's these energy enhancement systems. They're opening up all over the country. I just bought a few of them, franchises. And it literally defrags your body. It literally restores your cells to the way they were supposed to be. Isn't that incredible? I, you know, tumors shrinking, cancer going. Why are we not hearing about it? We all know deep down why we're not hearing about it. And they're going to say, that's phony. That's a fraud. You know, it's not, you know, trust science. You know, I tell the people that say trust science, that became like a meme, right? Nazi Germany, not that long ago, they trusted a guy named Joseph Mengele. Literally put all of their trust in this guy. When it's in history, it's unveiled. It turns out they trusted a guy that was a horrific human being. And what did he do? He took that power and he used it for the worst purposes possible. And that's from people that just got, they were mindless and they said, let's follow this guy. Let's follow, let's follow that guy because he's a scientist. He's a doctor. 
And that's what we do. Instead of going, hey, let's follow uh, Russell Brand. He's got some pretty smart stuff to say. And he's making me laugh. How about Ricky Gervais? He's pulling the plug, pulling the curtain on these Hollywood people and making fun of them. He'll never be asked back to the host. <laughs> no, he won't. <laughs> oh. Well, speaking of Dr. Uh, Joseph Mengele, I actually had Dr. Edith Eager on the show. She is an Auschwitz survivor who ended up becoming a psychologist, an amazing, amazing woman. She's in her 90s now. But she was forced to dance for him, for Mengele. So she saw this fucker face to face, and she saw the cruelty that was coming out of you know his, his office. So this woman literally danced for this monster um and you know and again this is still such recent history and this is what blows me away when i was i think it was 35 ish i had a realization like holy shit i've only been a lo- alive as long as world war ii was before i was born that's how short of a lifespan ago it was and yet it's you know ancient history in so many people's minds and you know especially when you're talking about teaching history and lessons learned and we're removing that from schools they're there for a reason. Like these horrors are there from all those poor people that were killed. The only way we honor them is we try and stop that from happening again. And what I see, and I talk about this a lot, is the common denominator, whether it's Nazi Germany, whether it's um, slavery, whether it's all these different things. It wasn't a whole country of people banding together saying, yeah, let's do this thing. It's a tyrannical few spreading propaganda through fear through whatever it is and and duping a lot of people into going that way and what if there's one lesson that we can learn is to finally go back look through history look at present day and go what's what's the red flags the early red flags of this and you see it not just this one the one before and arguably several before that you know so what's the what's the modern day reichstag was you know yeah. uh, he set his own place on fire you know What's the modern day? There was a shot heard around the world with the in World War One, you know, the Spanish leader, you know, when and 9-11. What 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 is being concocted? The storage or Gulf of Tonkin. What's being concocted? And why would why do you believe it's not happening now? What suddenly I don't think so. If here's here's one I never understood how people their logic goes. So it's been proven. And it took a lot to prove about the opioid epidemic. It never happened before because there were laws, but now the drug companies, now that you can't sue and so on, it's all been changed. How'd that happen? Uh, that just slipped by. Oh, let's let's just accept that, okay? $500,000 500, deaths happened from opioid addiction and overdose and so forth. These are the same people, the drug companies, that are now making the vaccines. I like to say, just think about this. Are they in a boardroom going, eh, we've had enough of the chicanery. We've had enough of uh, killing people. Now we're only, we, I've seen Jesus and we're only going to be about healing people now. Okay, folks, ready, break. Go get us a good vaccine that's going to help the world. All right. Same people. Same people where you watch an ad on television, it's nine side effects that make it worse than what you had to begin with. Same people that have those ads that were never shown to us before 1987. You never saw an ad for anything resembling that. It did take down cigarette ads. 
Eventually. They finally figured out that they would have they would have doctors that would smoke cigarettes and say these are good for you. Same people. So suddenly in this case, now there couldn't be any corruption whatsoever. Use your common sense. We've lost our common sense. Well, here's an observation that I just um kind of started ruminating on the last few months. And it was actually um, Sudguru who was on Joe's show. And it was just a a passing comment in that conversation. But we're fully aware there's a mental health crisis. And it's very evident in a homicide, in a school shooting, in an overdose, in all the things that, you know, people listening, a lot of people now, we see on a, a weekly basis. But it's not a socioeconomic bracket, so that also exists in very, very wealthy people. And I've always said this. You have to be mentally ill to sleep at night knowing that, for example, OxyContin is stealing tens and hundreds of thousands of lives. That's a sociopath. So this is the other conversation. And the same with, with politics and you know, locking away an entire country. And then uh, this is the UK, for example. Whilst you have a Christmas party, you tell the British people you got to stay in. So... Only a fucking sociopath could operate like that and go to bed and sleep at night. So what we've got to do as well is look at that lens and go, what's the mental health of these people? And when I think when you look at that way, you reframe it a little bit, not so much from the conniving, you know, vampire-esque horror movie character, but more like you've got to be fucking sick in the head to still make cigarettes knowing that it kills hundreds it's been responsible over the you know the the planet for probably billions of deaths by this point and we're still making them and i'm not saying prohibition because prohibition is not the answer but such an aggressive campaign that basically everyone's like well i'm not doing that the same way as i'm not going to stick a coat hanger in my peepee hole it's not gonna it's not gonna end well you want to you want to end like that you know but this is the issue i think we have to start looking at these heads of these corporations the same way as everyone else who's struggling but their manifestation, their their addiction is greed, even if it means, you know, many, 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 many deaths. And the same with the industrial military complex. If you're sending people to war that actually was avoidable, and you see all these coffins coming that's back maniac. with Americans that's, and yeah. That's that's yes, that's, that's a level of mental ill health that we're not we're not talking about. Level. And and by the way, you only see who they choose you to see to be criminals. Like you'll see um, like for, if it's, if they're black, that's going on the news because here we're going to choose your enemy where, or if they're, if they're from, you know, Middle Eastern country, there's your enemy. You must say Islamic fundamentalist terrorists. They tend in debates. You must say that. So it gets programmed into us. So that those people look like that. These people, they're the enemy. I've never once it takes, it takes so much for like a Bernie Madoff to finally be found out to Finally, somebody like that is on the front page. Then you're seeing them on the news. But you don't see white-collar crimes. Those criminals, they're criminals. They're maniacal. They affect many people, not a burglary. You'll see the burglary out of a store, and then that becomes, look at those. Look at those black, you know, whatever it is, you know, Hispanics. Look at how they just walked into that store. No, these people walk into your lives, these corporate marauders, they walk into your life and they destroy thousands of lives. Don't see anything about it. They should be treated like a criminal. That's who should be on the front page of the news. This person saw to it 
that they took money from farmers to make sure that they could keep their toxic farms, you know, going. And these are the foods that you eat that are going to kill you. That's not ever unpacked. We have to go see what's easy. What's easy. Oh, I get the, that's my enemy. That's my enemy. Oh, they're coming for me. I got to get a gun. I got to protect myself. Get a gun to protect yourself from these people that are poisoning the food. They poison your water supply at ease. And then they then they make it about the money that supposedly they have all these jobs. Oh, so then now we're compromising our health for jobs. Why not have a job that's good for you? Why not have a job that's actually about health? Why not have more mental health professionals? Why not more training for mental health professionals? So we don't raise sociopaths and narcissists and borderline personality people. Why don't we deal with that? Like I said before, if I even talked about anything to do with mental illness coming my way, the manifestations of it, I'm the one who's cast about. And I'm the one who gets accused of being the abuser and, or why, why would she do that? It's because of whatever you did. I remember I got divorced and they said, what'd you do? <laughs> they go, what'd you do? Because we've been trained. Oh, it's about the men. Men are creeps. Men are pigs. Men are marauders. Men are rapists. That's what we've been taught. Of course, that's what we're going to believe. And I'm a big white guy. Really going to believe it here. So you get the label affixed to you and you can't do anything about it. She had me arrested. And I had COVID at the time, too. I'm on a slab. And the guy kept repeating to me, the cop. I said, look, look, I'm, I'm the one who was like, because you can't be a victim if you're a guy, a big guy like me. I said, I got scratches and stuff like that. I didn't do anything there. If I, if I wanted to, I would, I'd be able to kill somebody. I'm so strong. I didn't do anything to her, but because she knows how to play society. I'm the one with an arrest record now. I can't have it erased, by the way. I could lose jobs from it because and they said, oh, no, you can't erase it because anybody can walk in and accuse you of anything and it goes on the record. That's the society we're built with. We're built with a victim society, not a society that wants to get well so that these things don't happen. Put wellness at the top of your lists. I teach laughter. Put laughter at the top of your list and watch what, what seeps into you. It's a whole other way of living. You're not in fear now. You're not looking for the enemy. The enemy is inside of all of us when you give in to this. That's the only enemy. These enemies are all an illusion. They're always constantly floating. So whatever they choose it to be at that moment. Oh, here's Mexicans. They're coming for us. Oh, here's the here's the uh was it the Taliban's coming for us. The Vietnamese are coming for us. All of that stuff. The one thing I will say about one country that I did observe, I thought it was really interesting. And this is my perspective, but I would adopt this. I went to Japan to Hiroshima. My actually, my ex-wife is from Hiroshima. She was raised there. And she took me to a place where the carnage was just unbelievable with what we did with that bomb. It's we have no idea until you go and look. The carnage, the destruction of an entire city with all the inhabitants. But it just it doesn't hit us because you're not seeing somebody that's melting in this on the spot. You're not seeing the torture that they went through for this. And you're associating with, well, what else could we do? Because they were so they were so bad to us. No, leaders were, not the people, the citizens. So they got blamed and they got they're affected for the rest and generations from the damage. And and they said it was called Peace Park. And they said, May this ever never happen again. That's the message we need to have. Not 
bush with a bullhorn going, let's go get him. I'll never forget him saying that. Who are you going to get? The enemy is constantly changing, but it's only changing from an illusion. It's not real. It's what they make real. And they, they prop it up in front of you with propaganda. And they say, here's what you need to fear today. And here's your solution for it. It's either here, let's go shoot them, kill them. Let's take a drug to deal with it. Whatever it is, we have the solution for it. And here's an insurance company that covers it all. <laughs> Look at the ads. As I tell people, and they say, well, you can't not watch the news. I go, yes, I can. You'll find out what's going on if you really need to know. I knew a hurricane was coming here to California, which they hepped that one up too. You know what it did to my house? A pillow in the backyard was tilted in a, in, you know, tilted over. That was, that's, that was the damage. I might have seen a twig that wasn't there yesterday. <laughs> it was like, a, it was a storm of the century. The only good news is I always look at the positive thing is I did find all my batteries and flashlights and I know where all the water is now. So I did that with the kids. I said, let's, we better get these flashlights. I didn't know where they were in the house. Yeah. Which has prepared you for a, a earthquake, which is more likely to happen than, than a damage That's from a hurricane. Yeah. That's exactly right. This hurricane. But anyway, but um, anyway, so I don't have that much time. I know we have, we've been at it for almost two hours here. Jeez, that went, that's easy to talk to you. <laughs> I don't know how you would ever have an ex-wife or I would. We're so easy to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get it. I mean, I, I was going to, you know, start early, early life and go forward, but let's, we, we won't even do that. So talk to me about um, winning with humor. Just kind of give me uh, an overview of the road. Yeah. Um, you know, it seems like a common denominator when it comes to comedy. I think a lot of us, the same in the first responder professions, there's, you know, there's, there's sometimes a, a filling of the void with self-deprecation, with jokes. Um, and and from the people I've had, like Jamie Lissow, that be on the show, you know, as you mentioned, a lot of the comedy uh, community do suffer from mental health challenges, addiction, that kind of thing. I want to say a lot. It's, it's prominent. Um, so walk me through your timeline, and then let's go out the other side and talk about solutions, talk about winning with humor. Well, I... I Right out of the gate, my dad left when I was born. I'm like, something I said, wah, he's gone. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, uh, people don't understand. This is what upset me about my ex-wife leaving like that. You don't understand the generational trauma that this causes. It's a generational thing. You are putting in memes into children that cannot deal with and cope with these, um, this disarray and this chaos and this mayhem. That that's what you're giving them. If you can't work harder and be willing to shift and change within your partnership, work hard on the things to bring you back to what brought you back to, to together and brought you together in the first place, which brought these beautiful human beings. So that started my life was, and then it became like one difficulty after the next in my search for a father, in my search for a father figure, in my search to make my mom happy. I would do all these things I used to try to fix my mom up with guys. I wrote letters to famous people. One was a guy named Paul Lynn. He was Uncle Arthur on Bewitched. I wrote him a letter. You should meet my mom. Because we read an article that he was single. We didn't know why he was single. We thought he was happy. Hello. <laughs> you know, he was, so he's not going to write me back. He would not say, send me your mother's photo. He would not be doing that with the ascot and everything. But I wanted her happy so much. So that was one of the cores of comedy as well. I made people laugh. I was really tiny and beaten and we moved a lot and being poor 
economic status is such a source of shame that people don't talk about as well. And then when you have people like the Kardashians that are saying, you need this to be happy, just think about a poor child that has no shot of having that and how they feel about themselves, their self-esteem. My self-esteem was as low as it could possibly be, living with relatives, moving house to house and apartment to apartment. And I thought the word evict meant move. I thought they were the same word. Here's the eviction truck, mommy. So just think that's this little kid. And this is what's being stored in me. That's stored in me. No safety, no security. And there was one time I had security and I had a really good feeling about myself. And this is like days after being caught in the bathroom, sewing my pants because I only had one pair of pants at a thimble. And they, this rich kid came in and made fun of me, told the whole class. I got back, uh, looking at me, sewing his own pants and and being beaten and all that kind of stuff at different schools and adjusting. I was at this new school and I got laughs this one day and I was actually sharing pain. I was sharing about my mom beat me for, for breaking this glass and I beat me like a pinata. I was like, and, and I was, as I was getting the last, I went, wow, man, this is working. So I increased the, I embellished. I said, oh yeah, I had candy flying out of my mouth and every orifice had candy coming out. So it was a pinata and she, then she wound up and I was like, wow, this is really working. They're really laughing. They're noticing me. I'm one with them now. My status was not economic anymore. My status was based on I was making them feel good. That's what laughter was doing. It uplifted everyone in that room. Everybody, the vibrations up, the frequencies up, everything is happening. There's no fear. There's nothing going on when you're laughing. You can't be depressed. You can't be angry. You can't be frustrated while you're laughing. It does they can't exist in the same space? And I'm going, wow, this is unbelievable feeling. But this is typical for society. The next day, the teacher said he will not be doing this again. He's a big mouth. She called me a big mouth. And she took blue yarn and tied my hands behind my back. And put me in a supply closet for the entire day. Hogtied in a supply closet for the entire day. Don't you get off this box. And of course, I would defy and I'd look at her thighs coming through the vent, jump back on. I was only allowed to eat. I, I My hands were unbound for just eating for lunch. You'll think about what you did. And I have to tell you, I did think about what I did. And I saw nothing wrong with it. I saw Nothing that would prevent me from doing it again. You can do all you want to me, but a voice inside, an ethereal divine voice spoke to me and said, you keep going. Because no one except this potency inside of me would ever tell me to be a comedian. No one is encouraging people to do comedy. I do. Release your funniest self and watch what happens. Watch how many people you affect. Watch how many people... You are magnetically drawn to and they draw, they're drawn to you and vice versa. Watch the energy that shifts once you start adding laughter to the entire equation. Watch what happens. Just observe it and see what happens. And I watched this whole place. They had a new respect for me. They had a new, there was, they were, I was one with the crowd. I was one with everybody. And that voice said, no, you never stop. There's no parent. There's no teacher. There's no guidance counselor. Just keep going. Be a comedian. Nobody. If the opposite was happening, she'd tie my hands behind my back. Fourth grade. I'm 10 years old. And I have to tell you, that decision that my higher source, Big G, whatever you want to call it, made that decision that day was the greatest thing that ever happened in my life. And I still went on to really tough times. I was kidnapped by a serial pedophile for five days when I was 13. 
I was beaten even on sports teams. I was in the huddle and this quarterback would just punch me in the face. I was the center and he like almost knocked me out. Then there was like a coyote wilding. They would abuse me on in the locker room. And I had my underwear torn to a point where it's just shreds. I was embarrassed. I couldn't tell my mother I had no more underwear because they just tore it apart. My ass was bleeding because of the wedgies they would give me. And they, they would just like try to stuff me in toilets and trash cans and lockers. This was the kind of abuse that, again, there's nothing you can do about it when you're a child. There's no one to protect you. There's no father around. My mother's always working. So all of these things developed in me that saw that the, this is all obviously retrospect at the time. You don't really define it. You're a kid. I'm a kid. I'm just trying to evolve and trying to fit in, trying to be happy. And I would find like groups and gangs that I would form like gangs and everything was about ripping on each other and making our, each other laugh. Our gangs were all formed because we were misfits. Everyone in our gang had a difficult childhood. But, and I'm friends with them today. But my best friend is from 11 years old. And all we did was make each other laugh. And we still do. I just hung out with them in Philadelphia again. Best, best friend. And it was all happened because he actually didn't like me at first. He said, because I transferred another school and there I, and there I was. And I was like taking his stage time. <laughs> you know, I was, like, I was worse than he was. And we pick on the teachers and so forth. And it all became worth it. One day I was speaking at a church and there was this leader of the church. I wasn't speaking for him. It was for somebody else. It was on a Saturday morning with a Christian men's group. And I'm not a very religious guy, but I'm really into the big G. Like everything's about that for me. I've been trained to believe that. And it's helped me immensely. Drug and alcohol addiction. I mean, I've had it all. I, was, I used to be a thief. I was a criminal. All of those things. But this other part of me kept running the show, and I let this run the show, this divine, ethereal light that wished to re reveal itself. It always kept running the show if I let it, if I was willing to let it. Otherwise, it was like ego, and I'm going to pound my way through, and I became tough, and I was really small. Now I'm really big. It's not like I can get them all back, and brrr, this anger that was inside of me. But only this Big G, only this energy, this genuine energy flow is the only thing that ever lifted me out of it. it. Wasn't a person. It was never somebody that did something for me. No. And if they did, it was because I invited them in with my energy. So this guy got up and spoke, this minister, this pastor, and he was like really into meeting me. I was like, I said, wow, he was like more than most fans. His daughter says, Is it really him, Dad? He goes, Yeah, it's really him. This is after I spoke in the morning. He was speaking an hour later, and I, he said, stay around for my speech, and I did. And he talked about 28 years ago, he was studying to be a pastor, and he was um, engaged to a woman who was pregnant with his child. He had a best friend who was his mentor in Christianity, and he, this is a guy, really cool guy with wife and three kids. It was his best friend and mentor. And he takes the fiance to his parents' house. And they said, what? You said, abort that child. They said, you must abort that child. It's a child of sin. He goes, I can't do that. It's against my religion. He said, well, then you're not our son anymore. You are disowned. Never use our, never use our name again. He walks out of the house and then she takes her ring and puts it on the dashboard. She goes, I can't marry you. This is not your child. It's, your, it's his best friend's child who already has three kids and he's married. He's teaching them Christianity and he's having an affair with his fiance. He's completely distraught. No parents, fiance, Christianity, all of this 
out. He's done with life. He's going to commit suicide. And he knows exactly where he's going to do. He's going to drive off this cliff to the left on this place, this road, this narrow road he used to go down. He's going to go down this cliff. And he said a miracle occurred. He didn't. Obviously, he didn't. And his life became beautiful. He ended up meeting his wife to this day. They have children together. It's an amazing life, but this because of this miracle. Later that night, I was at this Kenny Loggins concert. Kenny's an old friend of mine. I don't know who he is, but he's literally doing a song called Peace of Mind in this outdoor place, Hollywood Bowl. It was so beautiful. I'm feeling very ethereal and present, mindful. And right during that song, I get a text from this guy, this pastor I had just met that day. He goes, the reason I drive off that cliff, someone had just handed me your CD. A CD of a comedian named Craig Shoemaker. I never heard of this guy before. And I laughed till I cried. He said, that laughter saved my life. You saved my life and I am with you forever. You are my friend forever. I will do anything for you. And he's my best friend. One of my best friends to this day, a year later. His sermons, I challenge him when we go on walks and he'll bring it to the, he'll brings it to the pulpit because he's willing to listen to another perspective. And I said, I'm not a full I certainly believe in Christ consciousness and I believe in this, you know, and all the, all that good stuff, you know, the good stuff. I really do believe in that. The Holy spirit that exists in all of us. I just don't believe in some things that are a little uh, hypocritical. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I challenge those things and now we're really close friends. And that was, that was another one of my times in my life, including the my my friend Michael Goldberg, who did my he did all that I teach, and I do this guide to laughitation, I do chuckle chatter, and all these things I developed on the side of the comedy career. Fifteen years, he lived past the prognosis of having brain cancer. They say you're going to die in three months, and I visited him on. He, he ended up in hospice. Oh, what a terrible place this was! It was so all these he was there, the younger guy with all older people. By the way, if you ever if you ever um, are, aren't getting laid, you will get laid in an old person's home because these people have no fear. They just walk up to you. I'll blow you. Come here. It's <laughs> because they have nothing to lose. They don't care. Come over here. Come here. I have no teeth. I'm perfect for you. I'll go visit him. And then we filmed this for a movie. I said, oh, he's going to go now. He's definitely all through the years. People we kept thinking he's going to go and he would revive himself and we'd end up at a comedy show and laughing. And we're all laughing together. We laughed at him, too. He was in a coma, staring. We put this on film, too, for a documentary, and he just didn't. He was gone. I'm waving my hand in front of him. Do you even know I'm here? He didn't. He's in this deep, deep coma with his mouth open. I said, what could I do for you, Golds? I leaned into him. I said, look, I don't know what else to do here. I'm puzzled. Do you want me to jerk you off? (laughs) I said, how about I give you a handy? He came out of a coma and he went, <laughs> and he laughed. <laughs> and he died a couple of days later. I was so proud, though. I was, I was so happy. I, could, I knew that would make him laugh. You know, I didn't do it, by the way. I didn't complete it <laughs> or even start it. <laughs> that was a cliffhanger for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I clarified, but I'm still a virgin in that area. Uh, not that I wouldn't have if he had said yes. No, just kidding. Anyway. <laughs> All of this journey has been about there's pain and then there's suffering. I choose not to suffer. I just choose to take a different road and I developed a program 
that's about recovery. It's a program about no matter what ails you, no matter what condition you're under, it is a condition. And it's a something that's been, even health has been programmed into you. Solutions are programmed into us now. It's got to be this. It's got to be this. It's a pill. It's the pill for it. But we're ignoring the great pill, and that is our own purpose, our own mindfulness, our own healing that takes place within ourselves, which starts with the reset. That's the R in laughter. I take people through the acronym. I told you L is love, acceptance, and so on. The R is rejoice, reboot, restore. You have a chance to do that every single moment of every single day. You can do that every single moment. Take that breath. Spiritus is a Latin word for breath. Take that breath and watch the contrary action that happens. It allows you to be inside of yourself, listen to yourself, listen to that ethereal voice that spoke to me in fourth grade. That voice saved a man's life. And he's not the only one, by the way. So that's what I teach. I teach about laughter heals. I have an organization called Laughter Heals. I teach it now. Winning with humor is like I can literally guide people how to be funnier. It could be anything for, you know, I tell them, I said, bring your favorite sitcom next time. Everyone brings their sitcom. You don't have to be the funny one. You don't have to tell jokes. You just say what your funny sitcom is and everybody smiles because they watched it or they want to know about it or you do a quote from a movie, a funny movie or whatever it is. You just bring that. You're now lifting everyone's spirits and watch what happens. Watch the health, the mental health, the physical health, the spiritual health, the emotional health. Watch what happens when you do more and more and more of that. Imagine the world like that. So I'm starting with my little core group. I've taught the, the two different courses. And I'm going to keep up-leveling, up-leveling to bring more people, more in to make laugh mobs, where we spread this through the universe. People think it's Pollyanna and you know, a bunch of wishing. Of course they do, because that's how you're programmed to receive something like that. It's that different. But why is it different? Because of profitability. There's not profitability in laughter. It's free pharmacy. You have access to it anytime. <laughs> They're not interested in that. They're not interested in a cure for cancer. Why don't they have a cure already? Trillions of dollars. Cancer research. Cancer. Give to cancer. Stand up for cancer. All these causes. Bullshit. I won't give a dime to them. No, I'll give a dime to alternative healing. My ex-wife just texted me. <laughs> I was wondering there was a pregnant pause there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I saw your eye, your face completely shift from talking about Isn't that amazing? To Isn't, no that amazing? Isn't that amazing what somebody's dark energy can do? Mm-hmm. I saw I it. I don't even know what she wrote. I don't even know what she wrote. But she's turned into such a dark force. It's Anakin Skywalker. And my hope is that we don't have to wait till her last breath of, you are my son, Luke. <laughs> I don't want her to be able to do that. I want her to get it now. You know what I mean? But I have no control. No control over it. You just literally pray, literally just uh, come from my part in it, my be accountable. I wrote her a 22-page amends letter. And boy, we uh, only accountable, mea culpa, only me. I didn't do, I did this because, no excuses, none of that. And it shifted us entirely, completely for a while. It lasted a while. We gave that kids that the kids that gift too. Now I have plenty of reasons to be angry. It's, you know, people steal money from me, lie to you, all that stuff. It's, 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 there's reasons to be angry, but there's also 
two reasons, our children, two reasons to not be angry, two, two reasons to not teach them how to not be accountable, not look inside of myself for the answers and not blame her and assign blame. And that's the thing with mental illness is that's the rub you have is like, I'm not blaming, but I am saying that if she has mental illness, which is very apparent and the manifestations of it are hurting people, then we want to say something. But I have heard one thing, James, that really bothers me. I reached out to people. I don't want to get in the middle. It's a common phrase. I don't want to be involved. It's up to you. Or they'll say, it's you. I've had that happen too. Go to a therapist and think, oh, it's you. What are you doing? And I keep going, hey, I'm working on myself. Don't worry. Can we look at her a little bit? Because that's what people like narcissists and so on. They focus. They have. They pull the focus. They push the focus over to you become the enemy because you're bringing it up. Nobody wants things brought up. We want to just coast along. I don't want to see that. I don't. I don't, I don't want to see that. That's what in Oz they were in a walled city. Ha ha ha! A couple lottie dos. That's how we passed the day away in a merry old land of Oz. Snip snip snip. Chirp chirp chirp. And a couple. That was all about, hey, just, just don't look outside. We'll keep you, we'll give you a barber shop and a horse of a different color. We'll give you all that. We'll make sure that you on the outside, you look good. You get shined up. Here you go. There you go, Tin Man. We're going to shine you up. Ho, ho, ho. A lot of us. That's what it's about. It's like, let's not look outside of there because that is wickedness. That is fear. That is going to take you down. Just accept your little life here at, that we give you. And that's how we live in America. Just accept this American dream, which is no dream. There's no dream at the end. There's no dream. It's just existing. There's nobody's evolving. Nobody's getting better. Nobody's has new skills that they can have. By the way, that was a skill that was not easy that God spoke to me and said, you write this letter to her. And it really did work. It was in Hawaii. I said, it'll be a letter for you. I was with the kids. I was supposed to be just with them by myself. It was my time. She had already spent her time with them. She happened to be in Hawaii visiting her sister. I said, it'll be at the front desk. And if it's good by you, we'll be at the pool. We'll share time together. And if it's not, you can just walk away. She says, text me. I'm halfway through the first page. I'm crying. 22 pages later, later, we spent the entire trip in Maui together. Dinners, laughter, charades with her sister on the beach. All this happened because... We all have to be self-responsible and accountable because we do draw these things in. I'm not a victim to her. I drew this in for a reason. There's a purpose. So my purpose is I've got to stay the course though and be a good person and not go to her and text her back on your, your piece of shit. Of course I want to. I deserve to. <laughs> never, I will tell anybody this, never have I ever written one of these pontificating letters of being right. Never once, and I'm going to advise people, have I pressed enter and it comes back. Thank you, Craig. I never thought of it that way. Thank you for sharing about my life. <laughs> never. That's a formula. I'm here to tell you it doesn't work. What does work is the shift that happens. I'll have her over for game night. This is a person that literally cost me a lot of money, a lot of angst, a lot of like, wow, you broke our family apart. This family, we have brought these kids to the world with reason and purpose. And you just blew the whole thing up because you're not willing to look at yourself. Yeah, there's that still exists. But what am I going to do about that? I can do my best to say, here, here's some solutions, but she's not going to just be willing to do them. 
So she comes over for game night. And we laugh. I had her over for dinner the other night. Why we went sushi dinner together? It's a person that has should be my enemy. I like to teach people skills on people, no one being your enemy. Your only enemy is inside of yourself. When you give in to these resentments, you give in to this where you don't work on yourself on how to properly manage these frustrations and this anger and this rage that we many people have in this world, especially after COVID. There is a rage that's built up that's only going to be cancerous. It's only going to spread unless we deal with it properly. And my solution to that is guided laffitation. You want, you want me to do one right now? Let's do it. Absolutely. All right, here we go. You have to laugh along with me. I, I'm going to do a really short version, right? Ready? <laughs> <laughs> See, you just fake it. It doesn't matter. You're already smiling. You're reflecting back to my smile, my laughter, right? It just fake it. Your body doesn't know the difference. It doesn't know if you're on a Stairmaster or climbing a hill. It just knows. And it doesn't know the difference in fake laughter or real laughter. And by the way, fake laughter always turns into real laughter. <laughs> right? And then you say out loud something that's bothering you. <laughs> she had a birthday party for my son and didn't tell me. <laughs> she invited these people like I'm a bad dad. <laughs> And here's the best part. It's going to cost me the money off the pay for it. <laughs> there you go. So now at the end of that, I take a breath in. I teach this guided lapidation. I take a breath just like meditation and center myself. And I understand the meaninglessness of it all. I'm putting so much meaning into something that means nothing. I did this with my other ex-wife with the other kids. And I look back at some of these letters that I sent, some of this some of the responses to, you know, it was pretty heavy stuff, but like I was angry with her because she, I said, look, I've been working on the road and I'm back. How about have dinner for two hours? No. Didn't make any logical sense. And it makes me mad and incensed instead. Of, and so now back and forth, back and forth. What do you think the kids are observing? So they're now those two older kids, they're thinking, here's a dad that isn't in acceptance. This guy's like, you know, coming back at our mom and all that. That's how they look at it. Doesn't matter if I'm justified or right. That's all kids observe. They just observe the energy. And if you bring that energy, it shifts everything either negatively or positively. Bring the light, bring the laughter and watch what happens. I love it. What I talk about quite a lot is there's reasons and there's excuses. And when it comes to, for example, a mental health conversation, you had trauma X, Y, and Z in these periods of your life. Those are reasons. Like You can't ignore them. They are part of your, they're imprinted on you. It's when you use it as an excuse to not heal, an excuse for your behavior. And it was the same with my, my divorce. At first, her family were all like, what's going on? They're all in tears, leaning on me. It wasn't six months later. They were like, you need to let it go. She's been, you know, she, she felt alone. She was lonely and everything had shifted. And I was like, talk about alone. I was in another country, single father, working my ass off as a firefighter. And, you know, I mean, the lowest of the lows. But as I matured emotionally through this, because this was my first marriage, my first, you know, and it was infidelity that I discovered. So there was a, you know, it was a pretty black and white thing initially. But it became very apparent exactly what you're saying. I have one responsibility to teach this child what it means to be a good man, what it means to be a loving partner, what it means to be present as a dad. And this toxicity that was going back and forth is not doing that. 
And I think this is the problem. Some of these children grow up with the parents, you know, hating each other and being abusive. And like, oh, okay, that's how a relationship is supposed to be. And then the cycle continues. But having gratitude for the time with this woman and this miracle of a baby that we made together. And then genuinely, like the whole time after I got over the initial pain, wanting her to find her own healing journey wanting her to do better and he's, he's you know he's always heard me say how's your mom doing did she you know she get that job is she happy not because i want to spend time with her because i don't but i've only ever wished good things for her because when she's happier he's happier there's less tension between them so i think you know i, I can totally align with a lot of things that you said because nothing good comes from from toxicity from bottled up pent up rage and pain and animosity you know that was then you know and i've always said relationships are like food you know some are honey these childhood sweethearts that die holding their their hands and some are a tuna fish sandwich you know and it is what it is you you, you didn't go into it going well this is going to be a fucking disaster you went into it head over heels in love with that man or that woman and then life happens so not having regret but just saying okay this is what it is Right now, it fucking sucks, but what can I do to make sure that when my son or daughter are around me, that they see someone who's trying to forgive, who's trying to move on, who's wishing positive thoughts for, you know, his mother. That I've watched now when I look back retroactively because he's uh, 16 now. I'm like, okay, yeah, that that definitely was the right thing to do. And it's, you know, it's like walking away from a fight, you know, you want to turn around and go back and grab him and punch him square in the face, but the bigger man walks away and it's the right thing to do, but it's fucking hard to walk away. So I think, you know, there's a lot of power, but like you said, attaching positive energy to your trauma, and that's why I love what you do. I think there's so much just common sense behind it too. It just makes sense. You, you know, you hang on to that with so much pain and anger. Well, why not attribute, you know, the the healing element? Why not, you know, identify that it's the the poison within the vessel that is you you know like the the road rage incident you realize the other person didn't even realize they cut you off and you're acting like a fucking lunatic in your own car realizing okay well that happened that's external but how i react to this situation is completely in my control absolutely how your reaction uh, i always try to justify reactions i try to uh, by my actions by my that it's a reaction i said your children are the great observers. They don't care who started it. They're, they're not keeping score. They just see how you are. They see your energy. And it doesn't matter. Like I could, I could say to the cows come home, she did this, she did that, she did this. And I, I have a right to my anger. I have a right to this. They don't care. They don't care. They, they're just, and they're going to, by the way, used a, another word from my, from my acronym, use gratitude. Is be grateful for everything that you do have. And watch how that shifts. Because if you're not in gratitude, you're in entitlement and you're in, you know, I deserve this and you owe me this. You owe me an apology. Ever hear that before? You owe me an apology. It's owed. How's it owed? How's it? Is it bestowed? Is it, how do you do? do you, are you born with they have to apologize to you? Or what can you do to manifest some sort of healing, manifest something good, manifest something that's really like purposeful and mindful? What can you do to do that? And by the way, I, I, I don't, I'm not perfect at this. You know, I'm a, I'm a guy that I'll slip off and it always has to do, every slip has to do with that. I've lost my practice. My, you know, I'm not doing my, my laughter lunges. I'm not doing, 
not doing my my serenity squats or whatever it is for my emotional well-being. Anyway. Brilliant. Well, I got I got to get back to work. Yep. That's it. Let's do one thing quickly for people listening. Where can they find winning uh excuse me, winning with humor and then where can they find you on the social media side too? Well, Craig Shoemaker is my name, and it's spelled Shoemaker, not Schumacher. It drives me nuts. I put an umlaut like I'm off the boat from Bavaria, or, you know, so it's Craig Shoemaker. You make shoes. You think about it. You make shoes. You don't mock shoes unless they're Crocs. You can mock those. <laughs> you know what the holes are for? So your self esteem can slip out. I can find me official Craig Shoemaker on Instagram, Facebook, fan page, Twitter. I'm the Love Master. Um, I'm easy to find Wikipedia, all that kind of stuff, but you know, drop me a note. Tell me you heard me on here. Tell me if you have curiosity about anything I said, you want to join the course. I do one-on-ones winning with humor, craigshoemaker.com. You can find me, ask me the questions. Let's get engaged. Let's engage one another in something positive where we're solution oriented, having fun, adding more of that joy to your life, love, light, and levity. That's where we've got to get back to that, our core selves. That's who we are. Let's go do that together and do that with, with good purpose and unity. Enough of this division. We've done, been, it's, it just doesn't work. It's a paradigm that doesn't work. It's a system that does not work. It never will. It's not even scalable. Laughter is full scalable. If you laugh 100 times a day, make it 200 times a day. Then make it 300 times a day. Wouldn't that be amazing if you just kept count of how many times you laughed? Like today, I'm on, you know, I'm just hanging out with you. How many we on? At least probably at 50. It's a nice way to begin your day. Absolutely. Well, I just want to say thank you so much. It's been an incredible conversation. We've gone all around the place and, you know, and obviously, you know, finally getting to your actual timeline and, and the solution, you know, the, the products that you've put out there between this and your podcast. So I want to thank you so much for being so generous with your time and coming on the podcast today. Well, you're welcome. And uh, I forgot to tell you, I, I cured myself of Crohn's disease and sciatica. And some other things as well, depression, alcoholism. I'm not saying you're never completely cured of these things, drug addiction, uh, no more, no more. And you can do that too. If you're having problems with drugs, alcohol, I assure you, I will give you that hope. If you contact me, I'll tell you the methods that I have that I get there. And a lot of it has to do with centering myself in the light, the levity, and the love. That's what it's based in. That's our genuine energy. That's who we truly are. Be who we truly are. That's the message I want to get across to people Join the course. We, we have a blast, by the way. This course is just so much fun. I love, I found my purpose. It's even better than a comedy club or a theater with packed standing ovation. If I see people shifting and transforming, that is the glory for me.